Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. From our team to you, welcome to Season 2 of Convert Central. In Season 1, we've had the privilege of interviewing 15 converts across the months of Ramadan and Shawwal. This season, we have created a plethora of topics for every Muslim regardless of our background, our interests and our races. We pray that every podcast that we upload will be beneficial to you guys and meanwhile, enjoy listening to Season 2 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Convert Central. So Alhamdulillah, for our episode 14 and 15, we are joined by sisters Nur Sarah Iman. Uh, alhamdulillah, actually I know Sister Sarah from last year when she came over to SMU to do a convert sharing and you know, uh, the, the day I listened to uh, her story, uh, it was I think one year almost about one year ago since uh, it's, it's coming to October again and you know I, from then I never you know really forgot uh, the things that she shared with, with, with myself uh, when we were in SMU so it's really our blessing and honour to have uh, Sis Sarah here to, joining us again tonight for the second time she's on Convert Central to share her story this time so uh, inshallah I'll hand over the time to uh, Sis Sarah to share her convert story and inshallah after that we have a short discussion about her uh, journey being a minority uh, race in the commerce community in Singapore. So uh, sis please, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for having me again. Um, I, I find it very interesting to listen to convert stories because everybody has a different story and everybody has a different journey and um, I used to be somebody who also, even after converting, watch so many conversion stories on YouTube. Um, I love to, you know, go to places where people will share their story. Um, I never really thought my story is, is as interesting or as um, uh, inspiring as, as, as most. But I, after, after growing to the age that I am and experiencing the experiences I have, I do find it to be a very unique story. Um, so my dad uh, moved to Singapore in 1998. Uh, this was after my parents, a few years after my parents divorced. And um, yeah, so he moved to Singapore and he met a lot of people, uh, you know, got exposed to a lot more cultures, religions. And alhamdulillah, at uh, some point in 1999, he, he himself converted uh, or reverted to Islam. And um, and then um, yes, my love. I'm not Don't don't worry about it, Rosis. For those of you guys who are listening, uh, I don't think we're gonna cut this out uh, because I, I I love the the the, the background uh, sounds that we have. So for those who are listening and are wondering what it is, is uh, her kids and uh, she has very adorable kids. So inshallah, yeah. we are. We're going to bless your ears with the, you know, the voices of our kids, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Um, so yes, so my, so my father uh, did revert to Islam in 1999. Um, and Alhamdulillah, just a few months after that, uh, he met my, my, my new mom, my, my stepmom. We, we don't usually, we, we don't use, we don't refer to, uh, we don't refer to stepmom. So I, she's my mom. And um, Alhamdulillah, after... They uh, built a little bit of a home together. They decided to bring me over to Singapore in 2000. And it was fairly interesting because for me being, being brought up in a very American family, um, I only knew of two religions and that was Christianity and Catholic because my mom was Catholic. My dad was a Christian. Um, and so I was baptized as a baby. I, I went through all of the Sunday schools and things like that. So 
um, most of my memory as a kid in terms of religion was the Old Testament, you know, the story of Moses, uh, story of Abraham, Jesus, things like that. Um, so when I came to Singapore, my dad was like, you know, I want you to believe in something. It doesn't have to be Islam. Uh, if it's not Islam, I want you to be Al-Kitab. If it's not Al-Kitab, at least believe in something. So Alhamdulillah, I did some research and my dad encouraged me to go to Dara Arkham to at least learn a little bit about Islam. And that's where I found you know, things to be more familiar. Uh, Isa is Jesus, uh, Musa is Moses. You know, the Old Testament stories were fairly similar with a few differences in beliefs. Um, but the reason I decided to convert was to be more uh, involved with my family. I didn't want to be different. I was 14 years old, coming to a new, a new, uh, country, uh, a new family life, and I just didn't want to be different. So alhamdulillah, I reverted uh, December of 2000, and that's where my Islamic journey began. So I went through my first Ramadan, alhamdulillah, fasted every day uh, without difficulty at the time. I think it got more difficult as I got older because uh, temptations and, uh, you know, feeling feeling the hardships during Ramadan. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a journey. It was it was easy in the beginning because I think as a revert, you're full on wanting to learn. Um, yes, there were cultural changes for me in terms of dressing more modestly. Yes, my love, I see you too. Uh, dressing more modestly, uh, refraining from eating pork, um, which to be honest, was one of my favorite dishes back in the day. Um, but I don't remember what it tastes like now. So it's been more than 20 years since I, before I, you know, I've been a revert for 20 years. So that's more than half my life already. Um, so yes, uh, we, we were in Singapore for my first three years as a Muslim, and then we moved to Japan. Now moving to Japan was slightly more difficult for us as a family because it was post September 11th and we were moving to an American Air Force base so you can understand the not fear but the the concern that we had as a Muslim family to express ourselves as Muslim so you know we did engage in Halloween we did engage in you know uh, uh, cultural holidays of the of the America you know to be unified with the Americans um, and it was nice and I do remember uh, it was my birthday uh, one of the months during Ramadan. And I remember my mom, she didn't want me to feel left out. So she said, do you want me to order a pizza for school? And I went, actually, mom, I'm, we're fasting. And she was like, I know, but, but, but I don't want you to feel left out. I was like, no, it's okay. Um, that was one of my first hardships to really stick to something that I believed in. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I fasted. And um, it wasn't until I moved to Singapore in 2006, after I graduated high school, uh, that I met my husband and that's that's actually the moment that I would say that I really developed my iman the reason is when I first met my husband it was the first time that I met somebody um, so that was the moment that I really saw somebody who enjoyed the dunya but also had his responsibilities as a Muslim so we would go out uh, with friends and we would, you know, makan, have, have, our, have our lunch or have our dinner. But he made it a point to always get his solah on time. And 
that was really something that I observed. And I observed that for, you know, one to two years. Uh, and one day, I, I remember we were out with friends and he, it, it was uh, in Orchard and he was going to Akhala Mosque. And I just said, hey, why don't I follow you? Not once did he ever ask me, come to the mosque with me. I think at that point, he was just being very, um, I wouldn't say lenient, but he was being very gentle with me. He didn't want to push me. He was being more of like a silent dafa. He yeah. was showing me how to, how to be a Muslim. Mm -hmm. and, and so that day I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to the mosque. And, and uh, so he asked Lee to give me like a hijab to go into the mosque. Uh, it was beautiful. And mm -hmm. that was the day that I realized that I found the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with, that I know who can guide me uh, in a way that didn't intimidate me. It wasn't mm -hmm. in a way that made me feel like I had to do something. Um, so, it, yeah, he definitely showed me how to love this life, but also work for the next one. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, yeah. So, yes, and, and that's where I am today. So, alhamdulillah, we... We married, we have three beautiful boys, and it's still a struggle to today. I mean, I have to be honest. Um, I started wearing the hijab much later on in our relationship, and uh, so about 10 years now, I've been wearing the hijab and, um, you know, practicing, uh, practicing is pretty easy for me. Wearing the hijab is easy for me. It's the linguistics. Uh, learning mm -hmm. Arabic is probably the hardest thing for me as, as a as a person, not, not just as a revert, but also as a person. Linguistics are not my forte. I see. Yeah. So, so it's been, I, I, I'm, I'm guessing it's been pretty tough, you know. Uh, you, you've had to adjust the, to the language barriers in Singapore and then also adjust the language barrier coming into Islam as well when yes. it comes to language. Yes. And, and how, how, how has it been for you in, in that sense? Um, I, I think I think Malay is a little bit easier for me only because I'm around it all the time, like English. Um, yeah. Even the English language, to be honest, uh, if you ask me to write an essay, I will have such a hard time. Uh, conversational English is, is okay for me. Um, mm -hmm. but, but languages in general are hard. But Malay, I think I could pick it up a little easier because I'm around it all the time. I'm hearing my family talk. I'm hearing yeah. my husband's family talk. Um, Arabic is harder because obviously Arabic is hard for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but alhamdulillah, the moment you're able to, to say something in Arabic, which is actually very interesting because I learned Al-Fatiha in one week. Wow. Recitation, like recitation of Al-Fatiha I learned in a week. Um, but as I'm getting older, longer surah or du'a are getting harder. Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. think that that's a test that's being put on me as, as a Muslim. Uh, as in, that is the test given to me is to overcome that. Um, but it is fairly hard. But when I learned Al-Fatiha, I, I tell you, it was just like, it's like I knew what it was. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. I, I recall myself learning Al-Fatiha about two and a half years ago when I first came into Islam. I feel like when, when it comes to the necessities, right, Allah just makes it easy for you to learn, you know, because you, you have to recite Al-Fatiha when, when we pray, right? Yeah. But I, I realized after I learned the Al-Fatiha, every other surah just was, was just much harder to learn, you know. But yeah. the Al-Fatiha just came so easy. When, at the start, I have no idea why. Uh, Alhamdulillah that, you know, that Allah has made it easy for us to learn His, his deen. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, it was through the influence of your 
uh, your your father that you started to take a look into Islam, yeah. right? I just wanted to zoom in into that process for for a bit. Um, what was it about Islam within your own you know research and your you know put, uh, putting a long deep consideration to Islam? What was it about Islam that really put you into the religion at the start before you decided that you wanted to become a Muslim, just like your father? Um, I have to say, faith in God wasn't one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I believed in God I, at that time. Like I believed in Allah at that time, but it was more of I didn't feel a connection. Like my iman was wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. It was mostly wanting to be a good person. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that lifestyle, for example. I saw that life here was very different from what I witnessed as a kid in the mm-hmm. U.S. Like, um, unfortunately, my my biological mother. Uh, didn't have a good lifestyle. She made really bad choices. And just seeing the refraining from alcohol, just seeing the refraining from certain um, temptations made my father a good man. And mm-hmm. obviously my mom, my, my Singaporean mom, uh, she was amazing. She showed me a mother's love that I never really got to feel as a child. Mm-hmm. And I think just seeing the family dynamic of a Muslim family and the acceptance of her family of me was just something I've never experienced before uh, growing up. Mashallah. The only the only small feeling I had of that was with my grandparents wow. in the mm-hmm. U.S. Sorry, my cat scratched my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I mean, my, my grandparents in the States, they, they were like old school grandparents, you know, love, affection, spoiling, you know, that. But as, as a family dynamic, a nucleus of a family, it yeah. wasn't, like, it wasn't correct. It was, a, you know, parents divorce, uh, living a hard lifestyle, living without food. Like, um, I don't know if I shared this story at SMU, but when my parents divorced, I chose to live with my mom. Mm-hmm. And my mom made, I, I, I don't offer her, I, I you know, I, I, I love her. Um, and she did, she did become a better person at, before the end of her, her days. But um, mm. it was really hard to accept that that was what life was about. And so when I moved to Singapore and I saw that my mom and my dad, the relationship that they had, the relationship they had with their community, with their family, that's what actually brought me to Islam. Was the acceptance of uh of respect and love yeah mashallah, mashallah. you know all the time i'm always reminded through stories and and what your story is one of them you know really the the wisdom of the mercy of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes we we, we question ourselves when we think like oh why must i have, why, why must i go through something so tough right mm-hmm. and and in your case was perhaps you know your your early years uh, living together with your biological mother it was probably tough for you you know yeah. uh you know someone whom you, you love with all your heart as a, as a kid, you know, yeah. perhaps not making the right decision and, and, and giving oh. you a, 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 you know, a, casting a shadow over your childhood. And then, you know, you, you, you come to Singapore and you meet uh, a, a nice loving family and you start to wonder yourself, you know, why, why do you have to go through that? But perhaps it's because you went through that, you know what, what bad is, just so that you can know what good is, you know, what, what better yeah. is. So, yeah. and that perhaps was the thing that propelled you towards Islam because Allah showed you that something you didn't want, 
so that you knew what so that you could know what you want you know and and you know when knowing that you came into islam through the actions of muslims you know once again reaffirms the you know the the kind of belief that we all have in our muslim community that we we are we are a group of people we are still a community of people of love and and warmth and mashallah so which is why i'm so happy to you know you know see here if you and, and to and to you know pick your brains and your experience about your conversion journey so alhamdulillah um I'm guessing the dynamics at the start of your journey was uh, between yourself and your family members that brought you to Islam, right? So after you took your conversion, right, uh, it, it becomes another set of dynamics where you yourself as a Muslim, how you interact with the community, uh, community at large. So uh, I'm guessing you've had a wealth of experience because uh, you moved to Japan as well. So not yeah. just in Singapore, but in Japan, you, you experienced what it was like to be a minority group. Uh, and I'm not sure if Japan has a sizable com- uh, converts community. Uh, perhaps you could share a little bit about that. But I just wanted to ask you, you know, uh, you yourself uh, as a minority race, uh, even within our society today, right? Do you see any challenges in, in practices in Singapore? And uh, do, do you feel like there are other sisters like you that experience the same challenges? I, I would say yes. Um, I mean... Because I've been, I converted quite young compared to a lot of sisters that I know. Um, it was easier for me to adapt in a way that, so between the ages of 12 to 19, you're developing your kind of identity. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I converted, I was in that process of developing my identity. Um, the only thing that I would say that was hard for me uh, was to differentiate between culture and Islam. Mm-hmm. And I think what was hardest for me is when you revert to Islam, I think, I feel that the community expects you to reinvent your whole identity. And I think sometimes that could be one, very stressful. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, I think it could be uh, emotional um, because although I had a lot of bad memories as a kid I also have a lot of good memories and I felt like I had to forget those good memories to be able to pursue myself further as a Muslimah um so I mean I think the hardest part is when I love dogs like I I grew up with dogs um Mm -hmm. and I know that there are some different schools of thought and uh, scholars will say different things about how you handle dogs um Mm -hmm. I'm not scared of dogs so, uh, you know, I will approach a dog, I will pet a dog, you know, avoid the saliva, avoid a wet dog, things like that. And then, of course, wash appropriately after. Um, but I feel that Singapore particularly, I think we're, the, the, the community is put to fear dogs. Mm-hmm. And so it's like an absolute no. So when I do, you know, I try to teach my kids to be gentle to all creatures and to respect all creatures. And I think me being parenting that is a little bit of a conflict with some of my family members but I try to Mm. explain like I'm not saying go up to a dog pet the dog sorry uh pet the dog and uh play with the dog but you know you could talk nicely to the dog you see a dog walk by say hi puppy or um you know oh such a handsome handsome dog you know and and I don't want dog owners to feel uncomfortable around Muslims as well like we we don't Mm -hmm. look down on them for owning a dog you know so um I, I think that the mindset a little bit is, is hard to do a 180 switch when you become mm-hmm. a, a, a Muslim. 
Um, but those are just some of the smaller points. I think the hardest one is uh, cultural celebrations. Like, for example, Christmas. I've never looked at Christmas religiously. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that has developed as an American culture, I think, really big commercially. So growing up, getting presents, having the turkey on the table, like, I never went to church. I never, uh, you know, celebrated anything religiously for, for, mm -hmm. for Christmas. Um, of course, the, the name Christmas already is Christ Mass, which is religious. Uh, so in a way, I wanted to you know, celebrate like this uh, kind of a winter festival is what you would call it. Um, but I also have to respect the fact that I am part of a family. I am part of a community that has never done that. And for me to tr to try to introduce that, I think is a feeling of, um, I think others feel a little bit maybe uh, intimidated or betrayed, uh, questioning my faith, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. So I have to be respectful also of other people's uh, mindset and wishes. So it is hard. It is hard, especially when you want to try to do something nice and fun, but and, and you've done your research. Like I would have, sp I've spoken mm -hmm. to a I, you know, I've, I've asked, you know, what aspects could I do? But I think at yep. some point it does cause discomfort for a lot of born Muslims. Yep. And I think I went at it too strongly that I, I, I hurt a few, a few close family members of mine. So I just, it, you have to be respectable. And I think that I could have done it a different way by maybe asking would they be comfortable with me doing this? Would they be comfortable with me doing that? But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I also would like to, would like to, you know, have some aspect of that. So. I see. Yeah. I, I, you're saying that, you know, when, when we are, when we become converts, right? Just, just off the bat, just as Mu'alaf, right? We, mm -hmm. we kind of have to be sensitive of the larger community of, of mm -hmm. Muslims, especially in your case, when you are a, uh, minority race even in a converts community your, you, your sensitivity has to be developed to, to a higher level because yeah. at least for us Chinese we have Chinese New Year celebrations in Darul Akam but mm. for smaller races in our community itself they might not be adequately represented at the Arkham level you know the converts mm. association level where their, their holidays their festives get to be celebrated you know and, and that's something that actually I, I've not thought about until you brought it up you know yeah. um and and I'm I'm guessing as well. Uh, together with that, sometimes we feel like, um, we for the sake of community, because we have to be so sensitive and and to not mm -hmm. offend people and make people around us feel at ease. Sometimes we have to assimilate to the bigger culture, and in that process, knowingly, whether we want to or not, shed some of our cultural identity where we came from. And yeah. I guess that's some that's something that it's a, it's a balance that we have to strike, right? It's, some, it's something that uh, I struggle with and it's something that you you struggle with actually more than I do because I, I, I am at least represented by a larger group of people, you know, a larger demographic of Chinese. So, yeah. uh, you know, before we end our podcast, I, I wanted to ask you on an advice on, you know, to all those who are listening to this podcast today, you know, uh, who feel like, you know, along their journey of being assimilating to the converts uh, community or even the larger Muslim community yeah. uh, and they are finding difficulty in striking a balance in their own cultural identity including you know uh, fest festivals and cultural practices and also our local practices how do you do you have any advice for them to continuously strike this balance 
I think, first of all, before you uh, try to introduce any cultural aspect into your, your, your Islamic community or your, your Muslim family, um, would be to obviously connect with an ustaza or an ustad to mm. find out if those cultural practices would contradict your Islamic values. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, I wanted uh, a Christmas tree, uh, uh, an evergreen, you know? Yeah. Um, and the, the, the response that I got was, I do have German background. Mm-hmm. And the Germans, what they would, the symbolization of an evergreen in a house prior to even Christmas was winter was one of the hardest seasons ever. People freeze, people starve, you know, it's the hardest uh, uh, season in Germany or in Europe in general. And yeah. what they would do is they would bring in an evergreen and that would be more of it. And they would dress it up and that would be a celebration to remind them that spring is coming. Mm-hmm. To remind them that there's hope, that there's that there is green coming back, like to keep their spirits up, and so that's one reason. The other reason was uh, the Ustad said to make sure that there's no ornaments on the tree that represents r- religion. Mm-hmm. So no star, no uh, angel, no Santa Claus, no you know s- you know s- specific idolizing. Right? You do not associate anything with Allah. That, that, mm. that is, that's like the number one no. Yeah. Uh, so you have to, my, my suggestion would be to speak to an ustaz, speak to an ustaza who would be able to guide you if you wanted to celebrate something cultural. Um, and after you speak to that ustaza or ustad, introduce the idea to your family, which is something I didn't do. So mm. I, I, I spoke, we had a session with an ustad we got the information that we needed. And I went like, I, I went like, that was the go ahead. I, I know I can do this. I could do this, 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 this. But I ended up indirectly and directly hurting people very close to me because mm-hmm. I didn't explain and I didn't ask their opinion if they would be comfortable. So it was wrong in my part. And um, so, yeah, so if you wanted to introduce something culturally, I think as long as you respect the other party, mm-hmm. uh, inshallah, uh, good intentions as well. Uh, they would reciprocate your your mm. wanting to do something for yourself as well. Um, I yeah, so I, I think definitely you have to have open dialogue and yeah. have information from the right people. Yeah, but perhaps most of the time, the resistance that uh, most of the resistance stem from the fact that they might worry whether these cultural practices to us are acceptable Islamically or not. So like what you say, you know, when we communicate effectively across to them that we have done our research, you know, it puts a lot of them at ease. And I, I think within our community, most of the time we are open enough to accept uh, cultural differences as long as it does not sidestep the boundary of religion. So I, I think that is extremely good advice, you know. We start first with knowledge, knowing ourselves whether uh, we have to share this parts of ourselves or not because if it's something associated to religion it's something that we have to share as long as we start adopting our, uh, our Islamic identity it's something that uh, we, it, once we leave it behind we are, we are better people but w- yeah. when it's cultural you know it's something that we have a choice whether to adopt or not 
that's when communication comes in and, and we have to talk to people around because if we're going to practice something out of the norm, people around us are going to worry. So communication comes first and just like how they ease us into Islam, we sometimes also have to ease them into our cultural practices as well. So I, I think that was extremely solid. Like it was a pretty good guideline for everyone that, that has anything that, that they're probably worried about. Talk to some, talk to us that can con- contextualize your issues to our society yeah. and, and the people I, around you. And to add on to that, I think the best, uh, I'm not saying to subject to specific ustads or specific yeah. ustazas, but particularly the ustads and ustazas who volunteer at Dara Arkham, who yeah. understand, who have worked with converts for a long period of time, and who understand the identities and understand the difficulties. They may have more expertise. Uh, they've done more research on mm-hmm. specific cultures that I think that they would give you a much better understanding and explain why, for example, you can't have something. Um, ex- like, for example, the candy cane. Do you know the yeah. story behind the candy cane? No, and I think you should share it. So the candy cane obviously is in the shape of a staff. Yeah. In Christianity, who used the candy cane? A staff. It was the three wise men, right? Mm-hmm. In the, in the uh, Christian religion. So the three wise men who brought gifts to baby Jesus, for yeah. example. In the candy cane, if you look very carefully, it's got three red stripes. Mm. The traditional candy cane has three red stripes, one big red stripe and one white red stripe. Oh, one white stripe. So the three red stripes actually represent the Trinity. So something as simple as a piece of candy can be associated with a religion. And the reason I know the story behind a candy cane is because when I was about 10 years old, um, that's when I was living in poverty. Uh, I walked into a little shop on a corner next to what, next to the house that we were staying in, in uh, the States. And I walked in with my, with a few of my friends. We had no money. We were just walking in to look around. It was a hot day. with yeah. air yeah. uh, And the lady saw us just, just wandering around this little store. And she said, mm-hmm. I'll give you each a candy cane if I can tell you the story of a candy cane. And I remembered it. I actually remember the story of the candy cane. And so she gave us each a little candy cane and we walked out of the house. I walked out of the store very happy with the candy cane. But that is something that even the Ustad knew. So even something as simple as that could actually associate with a religion. Mm. So it's, it's like you just have to be very careful and know the history behind something before you practice it. So I like peppermints. Peppermints don't, are not candy canes, although they taste the same. So I associate yeah. I do peppermints instead of candy canes. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, like you say, you know, I totally agree. Uh, Dara comes with stars, they have the experience to navigate this space that is always so dynamic and so, full of so much in- intricacies that we have to take note of. You know, sometimes yeah. unintentionally missing out one might be, uh, might have a big significance in our practice as well. So, yeah, uh, definitely, if in doubt, you always, you know, direct the questions to Ustas uh, and, and preferably Arkham where they really have the experience dealing with, uh, you know, many, many converts coming to ask the, the questions that they've had put in their time to research about uh, perhaps, you know, many, many times already. So, Alhamdulillah, sister, thank you so much for sharing yeah. your story and also your challenges in dealing with this realm. I, I think the, the content that was shared today really would benefit, I think, not just, uh, you know, both of us, but the, 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 the listeners today because I think even as uh, Chinese Muslims in Singapore, 
uh, I also sometimes struggle with bringing my practices to the Islamic community. Mm-hmm. I also wonder myself sometimes whether the practices are cultural or religious. You know, it's it's always a very blur line when it comes to when it comes to uh, practices. So, Alhamdulillah, thank you so much for sharing. And uh, inshallah, uh, we are going to have another episode with Sister uh, Nur Sarah Iman. Uh, about marriage in Islam where she shares about her perspectives on marriage and also her experience in marriage that will be in our next episode uh, called Fundamentals to Faith so inshallah if you guys would like to listen to that uh, stay tuned to our next episode and for now inshallah we will end our episode with uh, Tasbir Kafara and Surah Al-Asr Subhanakallahumma bihamdika Ashadu Allah ilaha ita Astaghfiruka wa tubi ilai Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Wal-Asr Innal insana lafi khus illa ladhina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasaw bil haqi wa tawasaw bil sabr. So, insyaAllah, uh, we will see you next episode. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.